Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. We want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps, or better yet, blaze your own trail. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers. This is Felicia Gopal of College Funding Resource, and today we're going to be continuing our series on the top 100 careers for 2011. And I've got a special treat for you today because we're going to be talking with a pharmacist who is going to be talking about entering the pharmacy industry. My special guest went to the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy in New Brunswick, New Jersey, straight out of high school and completed their six-year program in 2005. She graduated with a doctorate in pharmacy and began working as a full-time pharmacist shortly after that. Pharmacy has become something that's really critical and important to me because about five years ago, I actually had heart surgery at a relatively young age. And so I know that working with my pharmacist and making sure the items that I was taking, the drugs that I was being given, worked to my benefit and there were no counter irritations. And I even remember on a couple of occasions getting phone calls or at least prompts when I went to the drugstore counter about, do you know that this would sort of result? And I know that I found that very, very helpful and very comforting at a time that I was going through a serious illness. So I have with me Dr. Dina Galanis. And Dr. Galanis, welcome to our phone call today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So I'm going to really just kind of jump into our questions and start mm-hmm. with, is pharmacy something that you always wanted to do? I mean, you went straight out of high school. I wouldn't say that it was something I knew I wanted to do from high school. Generally in high school, I had no idea which direction I was going to take when I was done. I was a little confused. There were a lot of choices, and I didn't really know which way to go. I was doing average in all my classes, but was not really excelling in anything, so I didn't really know which way to go. But my brother, luckily, was at Rutgers at the time, and he had mentioned to me that he had all these friends that were in the pharmacy program and how much they really enjoyed it, and some of them had already started working and had job offers, and he recommended that I should look into it. So I decided to go to the local drugstore and just ask them if they were hiring or if I could work a few hours a week just to get an idea of what it was like. And it turned out it was something that really interested me. I started to work at the pharmacy and realized that interacting with the people and providing them with advice or guidance, you know, in any way that I could, even though I wasn't in pharmacy school yet or didn't have much to tell them as far as medication interactions and stuff like that, I still was able to guide them with insurance questions, with questions they couldn't ask their doctor or felt like their doctor was rushing them and they didn't get a chance to ask them. So it was like I was an accessible person to them. And people are very grateful for your help, even, you know, small help. So it was extremely rewarding in that sense. So what I heard you say is that 
you became a pharmacist or you started exploring that option because of something your brother, who was at Rutgers, had to say. And then you also kind of volunteered. Were you volunteering or were you being paid to work in the pharmacy when you were discovering whether or not that was something you wanted to pursue? At that time, I was being paid just as a cashier, just as a clerk, because I didn't have any formal training as a technician, and I just wanted to get an idea of what goes on behind the counter. It was a very vague thing that, you know, nobody really knows what goes on back there. So I felt like it was a good opportunity just to see what that entailed. And it was very enlightening. Well, I think it's very true from a customer's perspective that we don't really have a good idea of what a pharmacist does other than they're the people who hand us the bag full Mm -hmm. of our medications. Could you take a couple minutes and just kind of talk about what you do do as a pharmacist now that you are working in the profession? Yes, absolutely. Basically, I work in a retail setting. So what we do is take in the prescription that you bring from the doctor. We interpret them. We review their orders for appropriateness enter them accurately into the computer, monitor drug therapy for any interactions that you may have with other medications that are already you know, in your profile, any contraindications that maybe the physician overlooked, proper dosing, etc. There's a long list of things that have to do with the medication specifically, but then there's also an aspect of dealing with insurance companies and trying to get people the medication they need when insurance companies sometimes make it difficult to have the medication handed out to the patient when they need it. There's a lot of nuances that go with that, but we're really an integral part in getting things completed because doctors are very busy and don't have time to do the legwork, and that's really where we come in as well. Well, oftentimes I talk about in my practice about there being a partnership, and would you agree that the doctors, the pharmacists, and the patients themselves are in partnership in order to maintain the patient's health? Absolutely. I think a lot of the times people are just really apprehensive to ask their doctor certain questions or they, you know, just don't even remember to ask the doctor. They feel rushed. The doctor's rushing them, you know, whatever it is. I feel like because we tend to be categorized as the accessible healthcare provider, most people ask us all of the questions that they really want the answers to. And besides that, there are a lot of people who can't afford medications. That's something that is a huge problem. A lot of doctors write medications that are new on the market or things that drug representatives bring to them, and they don't even know the cost. And a lot of physicians don't know how much drugs cost. So That's another side of our practice that comes into play where we can help people choose a more affordable medication that does the same thing or is very similar, and we work in collaboration with the physician and the patient to make sure that we maximize and give them optimal health care. 
Well, as I've gotten older, optimal health care is definitely something that I'm paying more attention to, certainly not something <laughs> I paid a whole lot of attention to in my 20s, but in my 40s, I'm paying a lot more attention to it and definitely know that the power of working with my pharmacist and my doctor, having them being part of maintaining my health is one of the things that I think will help me get to 100, which is when my grandmother died. So, um, wow. you know, <laughs> It's a pretty powerful thing. I have lots of longevity in my family, but certainly the wake-up call of the heart condition in my 40s was what I was currently doing was not going to get me to 100 if I was already having problems in my 40s. So right. let me step back and ask you some questions. You talked sure. about doctors not necessarily seeing the contraindications, and I was a little bit puzzled. I wasn't sure what you were referring to, and I was hoping that you could expand upon that a little bit more for myself as well as any listeners in the future. A lot of the time when I say that, I mean that there are some people who see three or four physicians and don't communicate to each physician what they are receiving from any of them or what other problems they have and why they're seeing so many physicians. So there is a lack of communication between patients and doctors sometimes. And there are some things that sometimes doctors, unfortunately, are just rushed and busy and don't realize things. I mean, there are a lot of medication errors that occur on a daily basis, you know, not on the part of the pharmacy, which is possible, but is not on the part of the pharmacy. It's just the doctor wrote either, sometimes they write the wrong person's name on the prescription, the wrong drug totally, directions that are just not for that drug, all sorts of things because they don't have the time, unfortunately, to go over that and make sure they are properly prescribing. Okay. And so one of the roles that you have as a pharmacist is to help bring those errors to the attention of the patient and the doctor and then kind of come up with a solution that addresses Correct. that. Correct. We do a lot of verifying of prescriptions. We make sure that the right person is getting the right medication at the right dosage and that is something that cannot be compromised. We work very hard to make sure that everybody gets the same amount of attention in regard to this, and it's just a critical thing that just cannot be sacrificed. Absolutely. So what do you like about being a pharmacist? I would say the number one thing I like is helping people. It seems like we don't, I mean, after a long day, it feels like maybe I didn't help anyone. But in the end, there was, you know, somebody or one person that I helped in some way more than I recognized. And I have gotten a lot of thanks from people coming back to me a day or two later or months later and saying, you know, that time that you recommended that for me, you know, that saved me, that really helped me, or you saved me so much money. Thank goodness you told me about that. And those things really come up all the time. And it really is a rewarding job. There are many fields that pharmacists can go into, so I like the flexibility. Right now I work at a drugstore, but your degree can be used in other venues, and that's something that I really look forward to exploring. So tell me a little bit more about that, because I usually only think of a pharmacist as somebody who I deal with 
through a drugstore, what other avenues are there out there for pharmacists? Just like you mentioned, a retail setting is what everybody thinks of when they think of their pharmacist. So that would be somebody, you know, at a local drugstore or chain drugstore. Pharmacists also work in hospitals. They work in the pharmacy of the hospital. They also work as clinical pharmacists where they do rounds with physicians and do monitoring of their drug regimen and change dosages and change medications based on lab reports. And they're more clinical in that sense. You can also work for a pharmaceutical company. You can be in regulatory affairs medical affairs, new product marketing. I know a lot of pharmacists that are getting business degrees in addition to pharmacy degrees and are getting involved in marketing as well. So there is a lot of opportunity there. You know, I have to tell you that one of the best things for me uh, conducting these interviews is I get to learn a lot about new industries. I mean, all of the things that you just recently shared is stuff that I had never heard of. (laughs) You know, I can see a pharmacist in a hospital and some of the other avenues that you talked about, but some of them are really beyond where I would have stopped in my own thinking. And I think that's the power of these interviews. At least that's what I intend for them to be. Mm -hmm. So when you went to pharmacy school, is there a recommended major or if you're going to pharmacy school, then everybody's taking kind of the same courses and the same path to becoming a pharmacist? The fastest route to getting your degree is to start right after high school, so the fall after you graduate from high school. You have to be accepted into the program at that time, which is tricky because a lot of people, you know, in high school are not ready to make that type of decision. But if you do make that decision and you are ready to go, you begin a program with everybody else with a specific regimen, and these courses must be completed in that year. And if they're not, then you are left back a year and continue in that direction. If you are already in a major and you're undecided and you want to transfer into pharmacy, you transfer into the third year of their program after you complete what they call pre-professional requirements, which is just basically general chemistry, bio, organic chemistry, and some other ones that I don't remember specifically, but whatever school you're interested in, it's on their website, I'm sure. So I would say that if you're not going straight from high school, I would probably do bio because a bio major is taking all of these courses anyway, so that would be a good option for someone who's still trying to decide what major they want to focus on. So after you complete pharmacy school, are you done or is there another step? After you complete school, you have to get licensed to dispense medication. So in order to get licensed, you need to take two exams. One of them is called the NAPLEX, which is basically an exam that tests you on medication and pharmacology, toxicology, and everything you learned throughout pharmacy school. After you pass that, you have to take another exam, which people call the law exam, or it's called the MPJE. It combines federal and state-specific law questions that are needed in everyday pharmacy practice. 
Both of these exams are computerized and are primarily multiple choice. And once you pass both of those exams, you're ready to basically work. You can work in a drugstore or a hospital, anywhere where you're dispensing medication. If you wanted to continue your education, they actually have a few programs that are available to do that. You can pursue a residency in a specific field of pharmacy. They have one-year or two-year residencies to become a specialized clinical pharmacist. Examples of that would be psychiatric pharmacy, infectious disease, pediatrics. So there is tremendous opportunity with residencies. And then they also have fellowship programs, which are also a year or two after the six-year program, which is in a pharmaceutical company instead of a hospital. And that's when those examples I gave previously, the regulatory affairs, drug information, new product marketing, you can, you can do a fellowship in one of those also. So that's a really good way to get your foot in the door in a competitive field. So would you go directly into the fellowships or the residencies, or might you work for a couple of years and then pick it up? Or are both options available to you? Both options are available. I believe, I've heard that it is more difficult to start working and then try to get in, but who knows if that's actually true. But both options are definitely available. There's no need to make any type of commitment right away. You can definitely work and, and try to get that afterwards. When I was preparing for this interview, one of the things that I came across is the pharmacy college admissions test, which I imagine is like the LSAT for lawyers or the GRE for people who are looking to go to business school. At what point do you take that test? Do you mean the PCAT? Yes. I'm not very familiar with the PCAT because I didn't have to take it. I believe that is specifically for transfer students. I don't know what it entails exactly. But I don't think it is an extensive exam that anyone should be worried about. I'm pretty sure it's just a simple transfer exam. Okay. So the PCAT is not something that you have to go through if you started like yourself right after college and went into a pharmacy program. Right. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Good. I think I understand that. So what advice would you give people who are interested in becoming a pharmacist? Primarily, I would suggest that they try to get some experience and try to just, you know, go to your local drugstore, go to a hospital, see if you can help out a few hours. The good part of pharmacy is that it's not necessarily a nine-to-five job. Most pharmacies need to be open all the time, especially in a hospital setting. So if you're working somewhere else or going to school, you can find night shifts. There are 24-hour pharmacies. You know, you can find availability somewhere. And I think just being exposed to it will really help someone gauge if this is something for them or not. And luckily, you're able to do that before committing yourself to six years of a curriculum that maybe, you know, you're not up for. So I I think getting your foot in the door is the key. Okay, perfect. So why do you think becoming a pharmacist is one of the top careers for 2011? I believe it is because it is a stable career, first and foremost. I think healthcare provides millions of jobs and is one of the fastest growing occupations. So 
this will create new jobs and competitive salaries, and you can always count on being in high demand as the number of prescriptions being filled rises dramatically every year, and the practice of pharmacy takes on a more clinical role in the years to come. I think it's a stable career. It is a good option for anyone generally interested in healthcare. It's definitely something to consider, especially in an unpredictable market. It's important to get specialized in something so that, you know, you are marketable. And there are so many ways to use your degree. I don't think someone would be disappointed. They're just tremendous opportunity. It is a competitive salary and you'll be able to advance your training, you know, in any specific way that caters to you and your goals. So I think it's just so many doors that can open with your degree in hand. I can see that, you know. I mean, certainly one of the things that is a changing demographic here in the U.S. is the fact that the population as a whole is aging. There's so many mm-hmm. baby boomers who are moving into retirement and I think one of the things that is true, and you may be able to agree or disagree with it, is that we're moving into our retirement or our older years healthier, but we also are moving into it with more chronic illnesses. It seems like everybody Mm -hmm. I know has got arthritis, bursitis, you know, something like that. It's true. Inflammatory Mm -hmm. disease that they're going into it. So they're able to function, they're able to work. But, you know, they they're definitely seem to be needing to medicate themselves more in order to make it through. So I know that that's a demographic that I'm just noticing amongst my friends. And I'm sure as a pharmacist you may be seeing something very similar. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, there's an aging population and new drugs are being discovered, there are just going to be so many more people being treated for illnesses that that previously could not have been treated. And it's just something that will continue to grow. I feel like pharmacy is something that will take a more clinical role. What do you mean by that when you said that it's going to take a more clinical role? I think everybody, when you picture a pharmacist, you know, you picture somebody at the drugstore that's just dispensing the medication. You know, the doctor orders it and you give it and that's, you know, the end of the story. But they're starting to utilize pharmacy now in a more clinical setting so that, let's say, in a hospital, you were on the pediatric floor, you would be able to take the time to check dosages against lab results and adjust accordingly and be the person to make these decisions. As of right now, you can make recommendations, but doctors can approve or disprove them. I think it's taking on a new role as the associations of pharmacy are pushing to have pharmacists have the ability to change medication dosages when it's not appropriate without having to get approval from the physician, let's say under circumstances where you can't find the physician or the physician isn't able to recognize, you know, new drug therapy recommendations. And it's just something where it's becoming a more integral part of somebody's overall drug therapy regimen. Okay. Thank you for that. So are there any organizations that you would recommend students who are interested in becoming a pharmacist should join or know about? 
The two major ones that I know about are the NJ, PHA, which is New Jersey Public Health Association. There's also the APHA, which is the American Public Health Association. And that's where all news regarding pharmacy practice is posted. And there's also new drug information in those magazines and on their website. So it's a great way to keep up to date and find answers to any questions that you may have. I'm going to just kind of circle back around to a thought that just occurred to me. Sure. In my industry, one of the requirements is I have to do continuing it. Is a pharmacist got similar sorts of requirements? They've got to do X number of hours. With the changes in the drug therapies, it seems that that would be a critical element to the whole process of becoming a pharmacist. Is that something that pharmacists have to undergo? Yes, absolutely. We have to do 30 hours of continuing education credits every two years. So we renew our license every two years. We have to have a certain number of credits are live. We have to attend lectures. We're able to do them online and any additional training you have may count towards credits. But in general, we have to do 30 every two years. Perfect. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with students who are interested in becoming a pharmacist? I just want to tell them, I guess, generally that there is a very bright future. It can be extremely rewarding profession and that I agree it's one of the top 100 jobs. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone that I know that was interested in healthcare or science. I think you have nothing to lose giving it a try just to see what it's like and get a feel for it, and I believe most people will be pleasantly surprised. All right. Thank you very much for your time. So this is Felicia Gopal of College Funding Resource bringing to you the Career 100 podcast. And with us today we had Dr. Dina Galanis who was sharing all about being a pharmacist. So if becoming a pharmacist is something that you are interested in, make sure that you download this podcast and listen to it a couple times because she's got some gems in there. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.